now tuned in to episode 151 of the Humane Roundup Podcast. Also, the Humane Roundup Podcast. What's up, Bishop? <laughs> I don't know what I just did there, Good but it's morning. fine. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Not ready for the cold weather that's coming, though. Although I saw you we had got- snow. Oh yeah, we get. I mean, I mean, I drive. I, look, I can't even talk this morning. I say the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I drive over the pass, the Continental Divide, every single day of the week that I work, which is kind of cool, right? I go. I mean, who gets to say that they go over the Continental Divide every day? Right. But it's a, like eleven thousand plus feet, so it snows in like June sometimes up yeah. there. So yeah, you know. that's gross. So never going there. Got it. Yep. Well, we have a cool, cool Shep show. Wow, I really cannot talk. What is going on with me this morning? We have a cool show this morning. We're going to talk to our friends at NACA and our friends at Pet Hub here in a second. And before we do, make sure you check out our website, humanemain.com. Now the home of the customized catchpole keychain. What's up with that, Bishop? Those are those are pretty sweet. You'll get yours in a couple of days, actually. So holler. You know, it's funny when I was designing them, I was sending them to you and you were like, be honest. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what is this supposed to be? <laughs> Cause like it wasn't, I wasn't catching it right away. Ha. No ha. pun intended. <laughs> but now that you see the finished product, it's pretty dang yeah. easy, huh? Yeah. Unless yeah, you're our guest, Jerrica Owen with NACA. What's up, Jerrica? <laughs> Good morning. Are you going to make fun of me because I didn't get it? <laughs> no, I'm not at all. I just want to say hi. Um, you'll get it in person. It's fine. Welcome to the Humane Roundup. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. We, we always love getting NACA updates, what we'll do shortly. Let's introduce our other guest, Lorian. Lorian is with Pet Hub. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And so, uh, Lorian, Lorian Clemens, you're the co-founder and CEO of Pet Hub. Do you mind just giving a quick, so since this is your first time joining us, just give a quick kind of background of who you are and uh, what I do. how, you know, how Pet, Pet Hub got started. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm Lorian Clemens, co-founder and CEO of Pet Hub. And Pet Hub is a pet database and membership service for pet parent. We believe that pet pet parenting should be fun and easy. So we've built a lot of technology tools to help that happen. We're most known or best known in the animal welfare uh, industry because we do digital ID tags. We do custom ID tag programs for all sorts of different things, pet licensing, rabies tags, adoption tags, you kind of name it, we can do it. And uh, they're digital ID tags that link to a free online profile for the pet parent. Also links to a suite of lost pet recovery tools. And uh, we just we do a lot of other things to help pet parents make their raising their pets easier, connect them with things that they need within the industry. And uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it prior to, um, but definitely want to do a lot more looking into it now that I know that it's out there. Yeah, we're we're actually we're we're in like you know eight hundred something different uh, communities, either as a pet license or a rabies tag or an adoption tag, and got a million pets on the site. So we we've been around for a while. We're kind of stealthy though because we don't do much uh, advertising. <laughs> so, but you do show up at don't you show up at certain conferences? I think I feel yeah, like we I've try seen to do there. as as many uh, animal welfare conferences as we can. You know, we're a scrappy small startup, small team. Uh, well, we're growing, but um, but you know, it's one of those things that. We've worked really, really hard to um, 
get known within the industry without spending a ridiculous amount of money on doing a lot of paid advertising type things. So we are somewhat under the radar, but we're coming out and people are getting to know us more and more. Very cool. Well, what we're going to do really quick is jump in with Jerica and get a NACA update. We recently had our NACA memberships board members voted on. I can talk. I'm telling you, this is a great day. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jerica, I know you have some other stuff as well with NACA. So let's just jump in. All right, let's do it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So things are going so well over at NACA. Um, It's just been such an amazing year. So we did have our um, annual elections and following the annual elections every year is the um, annual business meeting. So we had an annual business meeting last weekend, actually. Um, And just a couple of quick highlights. So from January to September of 2022, um, we had a 21% increase in total membership. So that is amazing. That tells me, right, that like people find value in NACA, that they're getting the resources and the support that they need. So to me, I love that number. um, And I'm just really excited, uh, you know, to continue to offer and be that support and that resource um, for members. You know, we do attend for non-members as well, right? We we don't have to be a member to get the resources and the support from NACA. um, But it is is a way to kind of help keep us us afloat. we also released our first ever, to anyone's knowledge, uh, annual report. So as a nonprofit, you know, we want to show our successes. We want to be transparent with um, any of our challenges. So we released our first annual report. And I'm super excited. We're already working on uh, the 2021, I'm sorry, 2022 report. Um, we also have released a ton of courses. So we're currently working through revamps on the ACO1, ACO2 and uh, working on some additional certificate courses for the future. Uh, but we also partnered with Maddie Fund to release um, free <clears throat> self-paced courses. Uh, we did one on tools and handling, so that nifty little catch-pull keychain, uh, you can watch the, uh, watch the training, take the training, and learn how to you know, properly use it. So there aren't a lot of uh, free resources out there for how to use these tools right? that uh, officers are, are given. So. Uh, this is a great way we talk about handling, humane handling. We talk about cat traps and dog traps. Um, and, and I will say just, we had a, a new officer start recently and they jumped on and started doing a lot of that stuff and didn't have any experience in the animal control field and really enjoyed it. So thank you for putting those out there. Yay, that makes me so happy. And we're, we're planning on doing more. So it's going to be, that's just the first in a, in a huge series. Um, so we're really excited to work through that. We just want to make sure that everyone has the resources and the tools, right, to to be able to safely perform their job. So those are open to everybody. They're totally free. Um, we've increased our visibility on our social. We've increased our visibility um, you know, through our website, through our magazine. Um, and the last thing I'll mention is that we also have uh, had a couple of new research partners. So one is the Institute of Human Animal Connection, which is with the University of Denver. So um, in November, we're going to be doing a webinar with them to kind of talk. We've, we did a study on the perspectives of animal control officers when it comes to uh, community engagement. So how do they engage with underserved populations, underserved communities, and like make sure that they have the resources uh, that they need to be successful in terms of being pet owners and, and um, you know, ensure that the whole community is healthy. So we're really excited about that. We're in phase, we just finished phase one and we're moving into phase two. Um, and then the next research partner is uh, 
my, my good friend Lorian on the call here, and we'll uh, talk a little bit about this as well, but we're doing another uh, research. We just wrapped up the uh, research project uh, that really identifies uh, the gaps between the way that pet owners search for their lost pets and the strategies that the shelters take and use to help reunite those lost pets with their owners. So we kind of came at it from two different angles, and I'll let Lorian talk a little bit about this as well, but what we found was just so incredibly eye-opening and so incredibly, uh, I mean, just wow. Like, I don't even have a lot of words for it. It was, it was amazing. And um, I'm super excited to, to, you know, be able to share this stuff with y'all. Yeah, so before we do that, though, preview. before we do that, Jerrica, can we just name our new board members? Mm. Just so people know where, who they are, where they're from. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I should have done that first. My apologies. You can edit this to put that in the front. Um, <laughs> it's all good. No, it's all good. <laughs> super early here on the West Coast. We had, okay, so the board election, so exciting. We had 12 candidates run. And uh, of the 12 candidates, three, uh, four of them were uh, current board members who were running for re-election. So of those board members, three of them were re-elected. So jo Dr. Josh Fisher, uh, who is the NACA president, who is, uh, remains the NACA president. We had uh, Mike Wheeler from Cabot, Arkansas. Uh, he was reelected to the board. Um, and we had Spencer Conover, who is the assistant director for Pasco County uh, Animal Services in Florida, and he was also reelected. Um, and then our fourth board member, the new board member, uh, is Jace Huggins. So if you don't know Jace, he is uh, chief animal control from city of Sacramento here in California. We've got another West Coaster. Um, and Jace has been leading the way for a variety of amazing, innovative programs for his uh, agency. He works uh, and supports DEI efforts for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. He's an instructor for Code 3. This guy is amazing, and he is going to bring such great um, value to our board that I'm just really excited. So, um, he's hit the ground running and we're looking forward to having him continue for the next three years. Cool. Thank you for that update. Nice. So I want to hear more about this research. I don't know about you, Dan, but I do. I, yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm that some to... of, <laughs> I'm hoping that some of it will be things that we can maybe even use out in the field, um, before we even have to take the animals out to the shelters. Um, so tell us about that, that research that you guys did. Yeah. Do you want me right. to jump in here? Jared? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Thanks. Um, so I, you know, here at Pet Hub, we, we, one of the main things we do is we help lost pets get home and, and we have a, a really, I don't know, it's exciting number for us with 96% of the pets that we are helping get home are home in 24 hours or less. Nice. But, um, when we started to like you know, look beyond that, we realized, gosh, there's a, there's a lot that are not. And then when we talk to our pet parents um, and, um, you know, do different educational efforts with them, I realize that there's a ton of misconceptions out there. We actually started in 2014, Lost Pet Prevention Month, because we thought, you know, everybody is talking about microchips, which are great, but that was like really the only discussion that was being had in terms of lost pet prevention and lost pet recovery and in terms of you know all these different things to do and we, we weren't hearing a lot about all the other huge myriad of things that um, should be could be done to help lost pets prevent them from being lost in the first place and keep them uh, get them back home and so 
And certainly when we would talk to pet parents uh, and, you know, counsel them ourselves on different things that they could do, we found that there were huge misconceptions, huge gaps of knowledge that we, we kind of thought like, wow, why don't they know this kind of a thing? And so I reached out to Jerrica and I said, hey, I would love to do a study um, that had to do with these gaps because we think that a lot of people come out of, you know, the, adopting the pet for the first time or whatever, and they come out of that shelter situation or however there is that they're uh, obtaining the pet. And they come out having some certain preconceptions about the way lost pets things work. And then they don't really understand like all the different options that are ahead of them and how to keep the pet from getting lost in the first place. So she said, yeah, let's do it. And so we brought in Cause Digital Marketing. It's a firm out of Maine uh, who's done studies before. They and, probably um, keep Jane. it humane, Maine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and uh, J- Jane Harrell, who um, previously worked with Petfinder, has a long history in the industry herself. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out to Jane and her team at Cause Digital and ask them if they'll help us do this. Also help, help us, um, you know, keep a really objective uh, look at this, because obviously doing what we do, we have certain beliefs about uh, lost pet recovery. So it's a great um, effort. We started it early in the year. We did the survey middle of the year. Um, and we found out a lot of things. And, and um, I'll just kind of really quickly talk about the methodology so people can understand. Can you, you know, before we, we got our Lorian, before yeah, we jump yeah. into the methodology, yeah. I have a quick question. Yeah, sure. And this might not be, I don't mean this in a way that is, um, I'll just say it. No oh boy. Why, why do we, <laughs> Why do we use the term pet parent? Is that a legal thing or is that just like a marketing no. thing? Uh, I don't think it's a marketing thing. I mean, um, I'll tell you, at least from my perspective, I don't, I look at my pet as my family. And if you look at all the statistics that are out there, uh, especially in the last decade, the vast majority of people, especially in the United States, look at their pets as family. I mean, I, I get that and I've coined yeah, that. In I don't the field own my child. Several, yeah. Right. I mean. But here's the difference is you can pay taxes right? Or you have to claim yeah. your child. You can't yeah. claim your pet. Yeah. So to me, no, I get it. though I, get it, but I, I think... agree with your perspective, I just, I've heard it before when calling microchip companies. That's why I asked if it was a legal thing because I was like, yeah. well, why no, are no, you no, not at all. It it's a, it's a, what parent? we, yeah, it's what we, how we prefer to think of ourselves. It's how our, the folks that are part of Pet Hub, um, the, you know, consumers or pet owners or whatever, the folks that come into Pet Hub, they, for the vast majority of them, like 90% consider themselves a pet parent and not a pet owner. Um, and so from our perspective, that's, that's, that's how we, that's okay. how we call it. Just them. was curious if it was legal or yeah. not. So nah, I appreciate not it. Not at all. No, I mean, okay. yeah. Methodology. Let's smart. jump in. It's, yeah. Okay. Um, Jerrica, do you want to add anything about why we started the, the study and everything? No, I think you covered it. I mean, I think it was just, right, we had some questions and we said, why don't we try and see if we can get some answers, um, you know, and, and looking at some of the, we'll talk about a little more of the other data, but, you know, looking at some of the, the shelter animal count data, like there is still, though we're lower than 2019, we're still in a position of just the intakes, um, the the outcomes not being as much as the outcomes previously, right? So we're, we're animals are staying longer and everyone's feeling the stress of the the shelter. So it was really important that we kind of asked some of these questions. So um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So we, we, um, we thought, okay, we have to make sure that we're getting um, as good of a, a sample set uh, as we possibly can make sure that we're really spreading that net wide and far and not just, not just going to pet hub users because pet hub users, people that come into our website and use this are going to have a very profound, uh, profound difference perhaps than the way that other pet parents uh, might think of using technology and lost pet prevention just by nature of 
being part of us. And so we, um, from our perspective, we, we have a 400, 500,000 people on our, our safety newsletter. So we sent that out to them. Wow. But then we also, we also did a paid uh, social media um, that was targeted and it was, it was branded between NACA and Pet Hub, um, but it was, we did a large paid social media um, effort targeting dog and cat owners. We did uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, and then um, Jerica helped us too um, on that industry side. In fact, a lot of organizations helped us. Jerica handed, um, you know, handed out things at the HSUS Animal Expo, as did Michelson's Found Animals. Awa mentioned it to their membership, excuse me, the association mentioned it to their membership. Uh, and we sent out a, a very large email blast to all of the folks in the industry that, that we have connections with as well. And it was great. With this, our goals were to get 1,000 animal welfare professionals and 2,500 pet parents to answer. And we far surpassed that. So we had over 3,300 animal welfare professionals um, took the survey and uh, well over 4,000 uh, pet parents took the survey. So we have a very large sample set. We were super excited about that. That's awesome. Pardon me, I had to pause to cough. I'm, I don't know oh. if you can hear the gravelly uh, sounding like I smoke a couple packs a day. This is not how I normally sound. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Derek, our amazing editor, will clean all that up. So thanks, Derek. Appreciate you, brother. <clears throat> Let's talk about what the what did the study show? Like, I want to just get into it. Tell yeah. us what what we're seeing, what we're looking at. And really, I, before we even do that, I, I just, I feel like, and again, I don't mean this like in a way that's negative. This can help the field clearly, right? Like part of it is done to do RTOs in the field or keep animals from running at large. But at the end of the day, it just feels like currently the trend leans more towards the animal shelters and less to the field, like less to the officers. And Jerrica, you can jump in if you want. And so I want to make sure that when we're talking about this data and, and all this information is how do we also get that the field perspective involved, you know, I get the, I get the aspect of it's, it, it's a, it works hand in hand, right? There's no question about it, but a lot of times the officers are the first, you know, the first line. And so how does that, how do we interpret that information to help that first line? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I will say that we, you know, as we were going through this, that was my perspective as well, right, the, for the officers. Um, and it's really interesting. And what this data is actually going to do is it's going to directly impact uh, how, what strategies the officers can take. So the pets don't even have to go into the shelters, right? Like that's sort of where we're at as an industry is trying to um, enable and empower that sort of first line of defense, those officers out there. Um, you know, if they are, one of the things that we found was that, you know, microchips, let me send my notes real quick, but microchips, right, are the number one thing that we push as an industry uh, to reunite pet parents. Absolutely. Interestingly enough, on the survey, it didn't even make the top five for pet parents. Oh. So pet, pet wow. parents, it, like for them, that's not even, um, it, it was the last reason given of all the reasons or all of the things that we um, had offered them. And it, there was a lot of options on that survey. I um, mean, it was the last thing. So, right. So that's a gap. If we, and how do we, um, as officers in the field, like you can scan for that chip and we push that, we want them to do that. Um, and some absolutely, hopefully will have a chip and can be reunited. 
Um, but what are the other things that they can do, right? And by looking at this data, we can say, okay, pet parents are walking in the neighborhood. They're using their social media. Um, they're putting up flyers. They're, you know, they're doing these other things. And so that data right there is going to directly impact how the officers are able to help reunite those pets. So rather than just scan for a microchip and take it directly to the shelter, we now have proven uh, data from pet owners and pet parents that is how they look for their pet. So it absolutely translates to the officers um, in the field and in almost every question and every aspect of this of this survey. So that was a huge um, piece that you know that we went into this with knowing knowing that we were um, it's important that we do this right for the officers. So. Yeah. And I, I can I add to you, like, it wasn't even that it was the last chosen in like how they looked for their pet, because they did they did note that, um, you know, they might do a lost pet um, alert type of thing through their microchip company. But it was the last reason given of why their pet actually got home. And and that for us was like a big whoa, we would have expected the microchip was the pet. last is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Okay. The microchip was the last reason. And, you know, that and. And yet when we looked at what education was being put out there and how, you know, what efforts were being made on, on the side of the you know, animal welfare professionals, it is overwhelmingly towards microchips. Um, and so it's like, wow, okay, so a lot of effort is being put towards microchips, but that's not actually the reason that pets are getting home. And, and does that mean that we shouldn't put uh, education and, and emphasis on microchips? No, it doesn't mean that at all, but it does mean that there are other huge opportunities that are there for education and lost pet prevention and recovery that we could maybe be putting a, a more emphasis on. Well, and I'm hoping I'd like to hear more about it, but I know it's incredibly frustrating on our end, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that has this problem. You know, we do get a microchip. We call the company and they're like, oh, yeah, there's no data here. We just can tell you the <laughs> implant facility, or sometimes they can't even do that. Um, and so we literally have a microchip yeah, and no information to go on still. Well, I got to tell you, this is one of the reasons why we, we wanted to do this survey in the first place, because one of the things that we hear, I mean, on a daily basis is, well, my pet's microchip, so I don't need an ID tag. And mm -hmm. so we'll push back and we'll say, okay, cool. Well, where, where's your, what microchip does your pet have? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Well, where do you have it registered? I was supposed to register it. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, th this is so common. It, it was, it, it's, it's just, it minds numbing actually how common it is. And so, and yet when you looked at the, the survey on the top five reasons the pet actually got home, the ID tag was in that top five. I think it was number four, number three. That but the microchip sense. was was absolutely at the bottom of like a list of like 20. And so, f and, and what we did see was, you know, Jerick, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it like 90 something percent of the pets that were wearing ID tags were got home within like 36 hours, something like that. They got home quickly. It was, I mean, that, it was an overwhelming number amount. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It really so makes sense if you think of just historic, how we've like always done with our pets right they've always wore tags people aren't thinking microchips right even though i mean right. it's a newer technology but it's just not something that is visible you can't get it traced unless you have a vet clinic do it or an officer do it or right. a shelter and yet, right and, and yet i gotta tell you daniel we we just went to a conference in down in texas um texas unites mm -hmm. and we heard from multiple multiple organizations that they're moving away from doing 
tags as licensing and tags as registration and moving to microchips only. You can thank Adam Ritchie, the former NACA board member for that. He, uh, he got that passed as law in Albuquerque, New Mexico before he left uh, to uh, allow microchips as your licensing. I, it just, Wait, it's what? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't how know does that, that yeah. work? Uh-huh. Um, we can, I can share the ordinance with you. It's, it's written into yeah. law. Well, and it's just, and we actually would talk to people who had already done it and they're like, wow, we have so many more strays coming into the shelter because hello, they have to come into the shelter to get scanned. And then we have that problem of they're not registered properly or they're not registered at all. And yet we, we know that an ID tag um, is going to get them home much more quickly. And so I think like that, the, that's from our perspective. And obviously that I, this is going to sound like totally self-serving because we do ID tags, but it, it's like, this is the big, like, Hey guys, we're still missing out on this obvious huge thing but i think the other thing jerica i'd love it if you would talk about this too physical searching was overwhelmingly the reason that was given and yet that wasn't even close to the number one thing that was being suggested by shelters to to do when your pet's lost like actually go outside yeah yeah so i mean so so you look at the data right and you see that from a pet parent perspective Number one reason by a huge majority is physical searching. So your dog gets out of your gate um, and you run around the neighborhood, calling their name, asking the neighbors, have you seen my dog? You know, jumping in your car, driving around. Um, but yet when you flip it to the other side and you look at the, and we, we termed it animal welfare organizations, but that um, this survey did go to uh, animal, we kind of tried to pick a neutral term, but it went to uh, animal control agencies, municipalities, um, animal control officers. So it definitely, but we chose kind of a neutral term, but it did go to animal control agencies. Um, yeah. So when you look at that data, that is not something that they do um, or not something that they indicated as a way to do it. So if you think about one way that, you know, looking at this data, if officers, when they find a pet would take a couple of minutes uh, to kind of go around the neighborhood and ask some neighbors, generally they're going to know who, you know, do you know where this dog lives? How can I get him home? Um, and they're probably going to know whose dog it is. And so, but that's not, that didn't even register as, as an, op- an option that they do. And so that's something we need to kind of change and figure out how we can, you know, better promote that as an opportunity uh, to be reuniting pets before they even um, need to get into the shelter. It may take a couple extra minutes on the ACO's part, um, but they could also, you know, enlist the, the help of the community. And so what, what opportunities does this open up for us to kind of look at things in a bit of a different perspective and looking at it that way. So that was a huge, uh, there was quite a few, but this was one that we were like, wow, that this is what we were after. Like, right, this is the gap. This is how the pet parents do it. And this is how uh, the officers do it. And it does not match. And so we're seeing that with the national data, uh, pets not getting home. Like that is that is what we're seeing. So um, it was just very interesting. And I think it allows us some opportunities. Can I also yeah. just talk about the gap as far as language used? And so, and as a officer, you know, I, in the field that, I, I mean, I was in the field a lot more before becoming a, a supervisor, but when I would talk to people, I would often, whether, you know, doing an investigation for cruelty or a bite, something in that aspect, talk about, yeah, I understand your animal's a family member, but when we use that term pet parent, it's going to, it's a disconnect for officers. They're going to look at that and be like, I don't want to deal with this company, right? Because that's not the language we use. And so I think we have to be multifaceted in that aspect of like how to also market it towards the officers. So when they see something like that, they're not going to automatically think like this is 
somebody that doesn't get what we do, right? I would never write a report and call somebody the pet parent, right? Most, if not all states, they are considered property. And we get the aspect of the, you know, the importance of family, but I just, I want to be clear. And I don't mean that in a way to be disrespectful to pet hub. I just, I think if we need or want more officers buy-in, we have to speak their language. That's great. That's terrific feedback. I mean, that, and I because I cringe. I, I literally cringe every time both of you say no, that. No, and, and I get episode. that you do, Daniel. And I guess I would, I would, I would say I love that feedback for us because that's something that I actually believe that our when our team is talking to folks um, about doing ID tag programs, we use the word pet owners there. But certainly when we're talking to the pet parent, they cringe as much being called an owner as you cringe them calling them a parent. So I think that's kind of a that's again that's that gap, right? I'm a Where, pet owner. I don't. I don't cringe. N- I understand. I'm talking about like maybe a younger set or a. It's just a different set, right? It's a different set of folks that are are um, coming in. It is a growing set too. I think is maybe where. I'm well, yeah, it's Darwin's well. theory of natural selection. Less like the millennials don't have children; they have pets. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just kind of so. It's one of those things that we again. You, you mentioned marketing; it's certainly the way it is. And so, with for us and the way we're talking to our folks that come onto our site that are members of what we're doing, they vastly prefer to be called a pet parent. So that's the way we do it. But I would also say I wanted to come kind of come back to one of those things that we found was a a, a disconnect um, because it goes right back to what Jericho was talking about: is like some of those opportunities. Over 50% of the reasons given for escaping or, or for, for the pet getting lost in the first place had to do with escaping or wandering around from their home or their yard. And mm-hmm. yet when, when we were talking to the animal welfare um, professionals, there was no clear indication of, um, you know, why pets go lost. In fact, it was, a, a, there, we had a, a large set of things that they could do and they indicated Across the board, it was very evenly matched, and there was less than a five percent of variation between the the top reasons um, that um, animals get lost and the the last reasons animals get lost. And said overwhelmingly, fifty percent of pet owners were saying, you know, they're lost because they got out of my house, they got out of my yard. And so we were thinking, this is like a huge opportunity for community education about, you know. Houdini proofing your house <laughs> and your yard. Lorian, what do you think about the new technology of like Apple AirTags and the the Fi, whatever they're called, where, you know, people just put a tag on their pet that can track them uh, through um, an app Again, now. I'm going to be, I'm going to be biased here because um, uh, we've tested a lot of those things. We actually came out with the very first Bluetooth ID tag. It was called Pet Up Signal and we shelved it and we shelved it because it is not consistent in getting a lost pet home. And in fact, it is very inconsistent in getting a lost pet home. It does, it also requires things like AirTag. And AirTag is probably the first that maybe has a real shot at being able to do this. But it, it means that you have to have a huge group of people who A, have the app on their phone, have the app enabled on their phone, and are, and have allowed the, um, the app to be doing the work in the background in order for it to locate pets in their community. And that's what we found when we came out with a Bluetooth tag that, that not enough people have these apps and, or have the permission for these apps to be constantly doing it because we all protect, you know, we're protecting our privacy. No, I don't want you always knowing where I am. I don't want you always on. I only want you on when I'm using the app. And so those, all of those type of Bluetooth tags rely on people having that out there. And there, at the end of the day, 
they're operated by battery and they say battery lasts up to three years or whatever they say kind of thing. For the Apple AirTag, yeah, that lasts quite yeah, a bit. It does unless it's constantly pinging, unless it's constantly being lost. And so, I, I mean, do I think, add it to the to the, your retinue. Absolutely. The more The more ways that you're working on protecting your pet, great. But just like microchips, don't rely on it to be the, you know, deus ex machina that is going to get your pet home when they're lost. At the end of the day, do you have an ID tag on your pet that has how to get a hold of you immediately? If you don't, then you're missing the boat. And that's why I think a digital ID tag that links to multiple ways that you get home, because I don't pick up my phone 24-7. When I'm on vacation, when I'm traveling for business, my husband is picking up his cell phone. And so just having a phone number, one single phone number on a pet's tag, it doesn't work for the way the modern folks, you know, live nowadays. We're constantly on the move. We have multiple caregivers. um, And all of us are walking around with a cell phone. Very few of us have that home phone anymore. So, you know, that's that's why if you don't have that digital ID tag, or at the very least, a ID tag that has a phone number on it, you're missing out on a huge opportunity and relying on a Fi or an Apple tag. They're great when they work, but when they don't, what's your backup? Well, and by, you know, using some of that technology, um, and kind of, and like Lauren said, relying on that, you're also, I mean, my perspective is very few people can probably afford to do that, right? And to afford to pay those monthly fees and to do all that thing. So, um, and without knowing the data of where your pet, uh, where the you know lost animals and stray animals are coming from, that is that you're, there's a huge gap and a huge uh, possibility that you're not being able to reunite those pets because that is not where they're coming from. It's those maybe more affluent areas that can um, afford those air tags and such. So one of the other things that this uh, data set showed us is um, that there is there is no data. The, that animal control agencies and animal um, and humane societies, they don't know where their uh, lost pets are coming from. And so by not knowing the data and not being able to kind of pinpoint those target communities to really uh, help provide maybe that Houdini proofing education um, or to, um, you know, make sure that there are tag um, uh, what do you call it? Like tag events, right? Where you give out the tags and that kind of stuff. Um, so by kind of targeting and, and looking at your data and knowing where your pets are coming from, uh, that's going to tell you a whole a whole bunch of information. So that is something that think, also yeah. works. Go ahead. I, I just think that's amazing when you like heat map how your strays are mm-hmm. brought in to your shelter. I mean, we we saw when I worked in Denver, obviously, our lower socioeconomic areas were the the main areas where pets were lost pets were coming from and, and not being reclaimed. And so when you think about that, it is education. It is how do we get into those communities and really educate on, you know, on the value of keeping a pet home. And so there's a, it kind of is a double, I don't know if it's a double-edged sword, but I think if you look at and how we've been talking earlier, Lorian and Jerrica, you know, the people that actually consider their animals family, um, right. Or the pet parents in that aspect, when they, they value their animal differently. I don't know how else to say it. Like if a dog runs out of my house and I live in the projects, I might care less. Not necessarily true for everyone in those scenarios, but it is a a kind of a a situation where it's like, eh, whatever. Like if it comes home, it comes home. And that is something that we we need to educate on as well. We see that too. And I think, I think this is also too, comes back to, 
you know, are you providing your community with something that they can afford and that they can actually access? And so when, you know, we, we actually have, it's one of the reasons we chose with our tags to have a 24 seven call center. It's human beings around the clock, ready to answer the phone with a phone number on our tag that goes to this toll free number for free. We never charge for that. It's it, and awesome. you can uh, you can register the tag, you can create the pet profile, and you never have to pay a dime, and you're still going to have human beings answering the phone around the clock trying to help your pet get home, and that was a key reason for us because when we would look at so many of our competitors and even the microchip companies, like if you want that extra support. Uh, and being able to do a lost pet report or being able to do all those things. I mean, we certainly do have some stuff that we charge for, um, but a lot of our services are free because we looked at it like we want every family to be able to give the best possible um, protection to get that pet home, um, you know, the best of our abilities. Obviously, we have to keep the lights on and pay people, but, you know, we wanted to be able to offer that. And so you look at some of these things like the Apple tag and the fee, five fee, whatever it is, and, and all that kind of stuff. And even some of the microchips, they cost money. And the, the other thing, too, is, 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 you know, what when an ACO is going out there, I mean, I, I can rem- remember just very profoundly when I was going out and looking for my cat and uh, and actually an animal welfare, uh, an animal uh, control officer helped me find my cat. This is years and years and years ago. And I went home and he, he did ask me, and this I think was like in the late nineties. And he did ask me, do you have a microchip in there? And I was like, no, we don't. He's like, you need to get a microchip. But he never said anything about a tag, you know? That's interesting. And, and it, that, that to me, like now that I'm in a different space and I, we go to the dog park and there are dogs in harnesses and there's dogs walking around without a collar and a tag. And I, of course, go like, oh, hey, well, you know, oh, your pet doesn't wear a tag. Why? Yeah, oh, I'm so like guilty his- of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's so, like, oh, so he like doesn't when I, like his collar or whatever, you know. When I, yeah, when I take my dog anywhere, I just use a slip lead because I'm so used to using slip leads as an officer or whatever. I don't, he doesn't wear a collar. I'm so right. bad. And- yeah, and it's, it's just like you know, you're let. It's like going outside naked, and you know, you know, you you, you wouldn't get in the car and drive without a pe- without a license, you know, and like like. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you would. I don't know you very well, Daniel. Maybe you would, but um, you know, the idea that we that we so cavalierly now let our pets out, and we either like we either think, oh, well, he's got a microchip, so he'll get home, which is a huge thing we hear all the time. And now with all of these electronic collar devices, oh, well, he's got, you know, a whistle on, I can find him, but there's no ID tag. What happens if that whistle battery dies? What happens, you know, it's just. Is your tag, does it, your tag have the QR code on it? Yes. We have a QR code, a web, a human readable web address, and then a 24 seven call phone number, uh, phone number on every tag. And then, so let's say I don't, have a smartphone, but I have a mm-hmm. phone and I, let's yeah. just say, I don't know how to use the QR code. They just call the number and then they, yeah. how do they, and then there's a I, unique ID number as well on the Correct. tag of physical. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, I think part of, and I don't mean it in a way like to, to disrespect you or your company, but part of the, having you on the show, I have to ask those hard questions, right? I have to no, of course. be able to put it in perspective, but I think what you're doing is amazing. Truthfully, and you're dead on when it comes to physical identification tags. Like I am not a fan of just saying, put a microchip in your dog and call that the license. Like that just doesn't work because of what you're saying here. Like if I can see something physical on a dog, A, I know it's not a like just a crazy stray dog running around the community, right? It's owned. Like that tells me right there that that dog has an owner, right? And then it's just much more easier 
and I don't know, Bishop, you've probably dealt with this. I used to work, I used to work Saturdays and, and, or I used to work night shift. And so Mm, I would pick up a dog and all, all it would have is a vet tag on it, a rabies tag and the vets are closed. And I would hate that Mm -hmm. because then you have to wait till the morning to get the owner. So with your, with your product and people being able to, to call 24 seven is huge in that aspect. So let's talk a little bit of how does someone get those a as a consumer, but how does an agency get them? So obviously your website is important for people to know and go to, which is pethub.com pethub.com. You can go there and check that out. But how do, if I'm a consumer of just a a regular person, how do I get one? Does it have to come through the shelter, et cetera? No, no. uh, You know, we, we do sell direct to consumers. It's a very small part of what we do, but we absolutely do. You can get one for 15 bucks. It's just go to our website, pethub.com. Click on the shop. Can I get it customized with my own logo on it? You cannot. Uh, we are actually, okay. it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that we're, we're working. We have several um, companies that we work with that do uh, beautiful ID tags of all sorts that actually license our technology. So if you go onto our site, you can actually click on our different, we call them OEM, so original equipment manufacturers, but basically they, they license our technology and they make all sorts of really awesome tags. Um, and so you can definitely get a, a, a custom tag that has your pet's name on it and things like that. As far as getting your logo on it, we're working on that, being able for folks to do that. But um, yes, you can absolutely. I got a timeout. I am. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the crate card or the mini ready kit bundle. <laughs> I need to know more about this. But before we do, uh, yeah. again, go to pethub.com, check out uh, shop, and then you can go into the ID products. So people yeah. can buy the, those there. And then as an agency, they can get in, involved with you um, as Yeah, well. there's a different website. If you're an agency, I mean, you can find it through pethub.com, but I'd rather make it easier for you. If you're an agency looking to uh, work with PetHub, you go to pethub.solutions. Okay. And um, it's, uh, that, that'll just take you straight to it. You can also find it through pethub.com. If you scroll to the bottom, it'll, it'll uh, say, you know, for, for shelters and veterinarians or something like that. And then you can click on that and it'll take you to petup.solutions. And that's where you'll get all the information you need to um, start working with our team uh, to develop a tag program. So this crate card, I need to know more. I need to know yeah. more about that in the mini ready kit. Yeah. Well, I'd love to tell you a little story. So um, years ago, so, so uh, our founder, who's also my husband, Tom Arnold, um, he was in a bank and he was talking to a gal and we had just been playing around with this uh, wallet card thing. And he had the standard story when he was telling a woman about what we do and everything like that. And she said, oh, well, my pet's microchipped and, and uh, he never leaves my side anyway. So I don't want him to wear a collar. And he says, well, what happens if uh, today on your way home, you get in a car accident? And she said, mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? And he says, well, your pet's at home right now, right? She's like, yeah. He said, well, clearly he's not by your side right now. And if you get in a car accident, how's anybody going to know your pet's home by himself? Three days later, animal control gets a call. No one's been there feeding them. Yeah, exactly. So that's, and she was like, oh my God, I need one of those. And she became a Fat Hub member. <laughs> and so what it, so, so it all kind of started with that idea of your pet's not always by your side. And regardless of what you think, your pet is not always by your side. And even when they are in the car with you, if you're in a car accident and your pet is in the car, but you are not able to respond whoever is there, that first responder who is there needs to be able to contact somebody to help take care of that pet so that you can get the proper care that you need. So there's a keychain. They attachment. call us. They say animal yes. control, there's a dog in the car. Can y'all or, can it up? or the dog takes off. Right. True. Exactly. And so, True. so having that key card, keychain card and the wallet card that, that helps all of that. Then the 
the uh, crate card came actually, and I can't remember which of the many tor- uh, hurricanes that hit uh, Florida. I want to say Hurricane mm. Matthew, but it may have been one before. We reached out um, Constance, and I can't remember her last name, from uh, the Sark team in Florida, reached out to us. And she said, hey, we have a huge problem here at these shelters. We're using paper um, where we're writing down people's names. We're putting them in Ziploc baggies and then zip tying it to these uh, shelters. Is there anything that you can help us with that (laughs) will make this easier? And so we came up with a crate card. And so the crate card attaches to, you know, just exactly like we say, a crate travel you know, carrier for the pet. And it links to that same online profile. And and so that that became part of that. And, and we developed it specifically to help with things like that. So if you're traveling, you're in the air, or we've actually had local folks use this, you know, my local community uses uh, Pet Hub tags as their license. And we have fires here, unfortunately, all the time. And the shelter same. has to open up. And then that's one of the first things that they say is, hey, let's get a credit card on so that. Is this available through PetHub.Solutions as well? Yeah, you can get you can get crate cards available. You can get crate cards made for your organization to give get to the community as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I like that so, a lot. I feel like one question that a lot of our listeners might have is, you know, we're talking about these QR codes. Well, that's not going to be something that's going to be able to be engraved. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yes, they are. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, so that's one of the things that, so I mentioned that we have a number of uh, um, manufacturers that work with us. And so, and we're actually, and I I'm not, I, I will be able to uh, get you more details soon. We should have something in place no later than December 1st, but we're working on a, a really great relationship uh, where the tags can actually, it can be your standard stamp metal tag that you're used to, and it will have pet up technology powering it. So we're working on that right now. Although right now we actually have a number of organizations that we have engraved or actually laser etched on the back of a standard aluminum tag. We have pet up QR tag and the phone number. And then they're they extremely put durable. Into, I've, I've like, yeah. I've messed with those, those things you could put into a, like a washer and a dryer. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so we have organizations that use like, you know, your standard iMark or VIP uh, etcher as part of their, you know, what they do when they adopt out pets, they want to give pets, a pet parents a tag for their pet that they just adopted. And, um, you know, you can have the QR stuff on the back of that tag. So yes, they're getting their, their name and your phone number on the front of the tag, but the back of the tag links to a free QR um, service from Pet Hub. Okay. I think the product is great and I, and I really, I do. And I've seen it at some of the uh, conferences that I've been to and I appreciate you listening to some of the feedback that I have. I, I really think that just having someone out there that is able to really keep these animals linked to their owner, that's the biggest thing, right? Is we don't want animals coming into the shelter. Animal control doesn't want animals just running around at large, et cetera. And so having a company that is really, mindful in that aspect of, you know, making sure that these things, uh, stay on. I mean, they're durable. I think my, my, let me ask this question. Are they coming with an S hook or how do they adhere to the collar? Uh, right. That's my biggest. Right. They send them right there with an O ring. And what kind of, is it a durable O ring or is it one of those like cheapy wire ones? Um, I will say you know, frankly, Daniel, since I've not personally tested them, like, I don't know what you would consider to be cheapy wire ones or not. So the cheapy wire ones is like a dog, let's say a dog runs and like a stick somehow 
yeah it'll like it'll unravel and the tag will just fall off and so when i think of they make a about a dime size key ring uh so most key rings are about quarter size yeah and then they also make a dime size that's the most durable one is is something like that because it's really heavy duty metal and yeah i don't know i don't know that we are that kind of uh that kind of a size too. And that's also, that's also really tremendous feedback. We, what we have in there, we, we worked when we first were actually in Jerica's, uh, when she was formerly with San Diego Humane, she's one of the folks that actually worked with us when we were doing first packaging and testing and everything like that. Um, we got a lot of feedback then on, uh, rings and, and S hooks and whatnots. And, and we, we basically went with the one that folks were like, yep, this, this will work. And even um, for the listeners, they caught, co- they literally cost like a dime. Like they're not expensive. Yeah, and so they yeah. can just go we to the actually, hardware store. Right. We actually, we have a, uh, one of the common things that we have that are, comes into our customer care department. When people are asking about that. We say here, here's a link to these ones that we recommend. We actually recommend a couple that are really fantastic. Like night eyes has a really great small little, uh, carabiner clip. Um, yeah. It, it literally lasted for 10 years on my talk and oh, it was great. so easy. And I loved it too, because I could take this little night eyes clip and I could move it over to his harness when we would go yes. walking and, and he was no longer in a collar and all these, I could move it everywhere. And it was well, that's just some of the things that we we've seen is like, you can tell there was a tag on someone's collar, but they put it on pretty yeah. poorly. And so it's not, yeah. it's not the fault of the company. It's just how the consumer is putting it on their tag or on their, on their collar as well. So. Right. Yeah. The original pet hub tag that I have on my dog, uh, we're at least 10 years in, um, wow. has not, and I also um, am sometimes guilty of not having her wear her collar all the time, um, but, uh, but she does, camping, um, running in the beach. Dog beach. I mean, all, yes. Uh, not, yes, all the things. Um, and she, it has never come off. So I can attest to the durability uh, to some extent. My dog is hard on it and it is not. We have not replaced the, the little ring. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. the, I will say this that, that for, and this is our standard tag, what we call our standard tag. It's epoxy coated um, metal core. We have had a less than 1% rate of having to replace. Um, wow. And okay. one of, I, I mean, it's, it's been great. I mean, we've, we've, had, we have one of the things that we have actually taped up on our wall is somebody took their license that was shipped to them in the mail and they did not realize that they were getting a tag in there and they put it through the shredder. And, <clears throat> It destroyed the tag and it also killed the shredder. But we have a picture of that uh, on our wall. And, and we've awesome. had a, a very few times where um, things like somebody put it in, uh, slammed it into their car door, which we always like, how did that tag get slammed into a car door? But, yeah. you know, it, 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 it was slammed hard enough that it like slightly damaged the edge of it. But, you know, the biggest complaint that uh, we get on um, anything is puppy teeth, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Puppy teeth, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. But even then, even then, it's still readable. This, It's still scannable. It might not look as beautiful as it did, but it's still scannable, which is to us the ultimate test is, can it still be used to get that pet home? So going back to what I was talking about with the microchips and people not registering, obviously, if somebody goes out the first time and purchases one, they're going to be um, putting the information in. Is there anything that you guys do to check on people and, and say, hey, are you, is this still your correct information? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do. Question. We do. Um, we have a, a checkup that's done. And in fact, every quarter we have a, a check the chip, check the tag type of a thing. And you're like, hey, you know, we sent out you know, this is a tag scan test 
please scan your tag, make sure it's everything that's being shown on that pet's profile is still what you want it to be shown. And I will add as a side note, a lot of people might be like, I don't want all my information out there. Come on. I want to protect my privacy type of thing. Um, everything that's on the pet's profile, the, the user, the pet member, pet up member gets to choose what's shown publicly and what's only shown privately and stuff that's only shown privately. The only people that can see it are the pet hub administrator call centers. And then if we have a organization that's working with us, that's been given back in, you know, ACO is basically given back in that they can see that information too. But anyway, we, um, we encourage um, quarterly scans and checks. And then uh, once a year we say like, Hey, your pet's gotten older, but they don't look the same. Please up- update a new photo kind of a that's thing. Cool. Um, that's cool. Great. Type of stuff. So didn't Denver, you... Denver went to, sorry, Bishop, Denver went to Pet Hub exclusively, right? Yeah. Uh, for their yeah. licensing. And they're yeah. one of my what, Were they the first one? Oh, no. No. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Sandy, uh, the, who was our very, our very first one was San Jose. Um, but I think Jeremy, that was before was QR that. codes, huh? No, no, no. Oh, actually. they're, wow. So, so funny story. We started, uh, it'll be 12, it'll be 13 years in February. When we first started, nobody knew what the heck a QR code was. <laughs> wow. And we, we were, we were literally, uh, when we were pitching and we were first getting funding for this project, we would go into these events with uh, investors who, you know, they're generally over the age of 50, those people have enough money to be investing in startup companies. <laughs> and we literally were told, ah, this smartphone thing is just a, just a fad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm okay. going st- to stick with my flip phone. I don't need one of these kind of things. And so it's actually one of the reasons we started putting uh, phone numbers on the tag because we realized, okay, not everybody has a smartphone. Not everybody understands a QR code. But can I tell you that one of the best things that the pandemic did for us was everybody knows how to use a QR code now. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, and so it was really kind of a boon for us because we had a, a lot more aha moments when they would see it. They go, oh, what does that link to? <laughs> you know, they also automatically got what was happening with it. That's fantastic. Do ACOs have to be like directly associated with the company to be able to access the information or the private not- information? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the, yeah. But but if you are calling into our call center. Um, and identify yourself as an animal control officer. They, we cannot, because of the agreement that we have with the, with the user on the website, we cannot give any of that information out. Um, but um, our call center will put you in direct communication with it. And we also, we have ability to, you know, send emails um, directly to everybody that's listed on the pet's account and things like that. So they will work to get you in contact with the pet owner if you find that pet out in the, um, in the field. Lorian, you can totally say pet parent. You've you've grown on me. <laughs> oh, I'm fine I try it so hard. I'm, no, I know, and you can to- just be yourself. It's fine. I think it's just I wasn't expecting it, and so it's early, and I was like, I oh. do draw the line at calling it, my 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 pets my fur babies. I do draw okay, that. Thank line. you, <laughs> thank but you. I will but say, no, I, I, you know, a lot of my staff are under the age of thirty, and they're totally fur babies. So. No, I get, it. I get it. I just I think the product's cool. I, I think it looks great. And really, just really appreciate what you're doing in the community as well. Just making sure that people, because I mean, that's the end goal, right? We want to make sure pets stay out of shelters, pets go home at the end. So that's the reality. Uh, Okay. Is there a fee for an organization to be a part of it? And, or do Um, we have to be able to sell the, or give away the stuff? Well, so yeah, I mean, we work with, so many different types of organizations. We have so many different types of tag programs. At the end of the day, I mean, the 
the cost of the tag has to be paid for. So, and, and I will say we don't make money on the tags. We, we don't do a markup on the tags for animal welfare organizations. We are selling them. Basically, we do enough to cover the cost of putting together the tag and getting it over to you. Um, so in most cases, you know, if you're ordering, like, let's say you do 10,000 adoptions a year, you know, you're going to be paying around a buck a tag. Um, and so it, because it is a more expensive tag than your standard stamp metal ID tag, for sure. But it also is, you know, you're not having to pay all the um, overhead. You know, we're not putting a ton of margin or anything like that on it. Sure. So, and then we, we have folks that use it as their pet license. We have folks that use it as their rabies tag. Um, and then we have folks that do it as an adoption tag. We've, we've had it being used as, you know, community events and they're getting folks um, tags just to kind of promote having a tag or spay neuter events, that kind of thing. So that we do all kinds of things. But as yeah, far as the cost. My question came back to me too. Oh, good, yeah. good, good. As far as the cost, I mean, we have a one-time fee that you have to pay to get custom artwork done. And then if you change the artwork at some point, then we have to charge you a, a it's basically a film fee. Um, but it's, again, we're charging you what it costs us to do it. Um, and then it's just the cost of the tag. Okay. Okay. So my question was this, and maybe this is an opportunity for future. Can we get veterinarians on board and link their damn records to this pet hub tag? Mm. That would be oh. so helpful. So music to my ears. Okay, I, I would like to get on a small soapbox here. The issue is is that the practice management information systems, the PIMS, um, very uh, few of them are connected to the cloud right now. And the companies that control all of that data, um, they do integrations, but they won't do integrations without a lot of money being involved. So okay. it's a very frustrating thing. And I won't call out their names, but they know who they are. Um, Does it start with a V? Mm, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I just uh, want to, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, no. Uh, there are two very large companies that control the vast majority of the PIMs that are in the oh, space. Oh, I see. Okay. And... Um, they are making it very difficult for any new technology to come in LinkedIn if it link into them. And now, if you're a big, huge company that's got a ton of money to spend, of course they'll they'll you know integrate with you because um, you're putting money in their coffers. But they're not they're not great when it comes to like when I go in and I say like, hey, we could help a lot of pets stay in their home and get home quickly. They're like, okay, what's it gonna what, uh, you know how much is it gonna, we're gonna make from it? Kind of a thing. They're not interested in that. So I will say this though. We have a, a, a large number of veterinarians who, after talking to them, they see the need for this. So I do think that the, within the veterinarian um, be great. community, we're really going to drive from it. I mean, the fact that PetHub in just the last two years has been invited to be part of several animal health um, conferences and talk about how we can help with animal health. And we've gotten tremendous response from the veterinarians we've talked to. I do think that there is definitely a push to make this happen, but right now we're not quite there. Let's get, let's get some more groundswell going, more people okay. banging on the drum of needing these integrations to be able to happen. I mean, at the end of the day, it is not, we don't look at this as our data. We don't look at, at the data that pet parents are putting onto our site as our data to use as we wish. It's the pet parents' data, and we are trying to help them use their data in a way that can help them raise their pets more easily. It should be fun and easy to, to raise your pet. It shouldn't be this difficult to get things connected. And so our one of our main missions is to connect people to the things that they need in an easy, simple way. So help us bang that drum, and we'll get there. 
I think it's great because then it's all in one place, easy to access. Boom. 100%. Right? Cool. What? We, we can save the uh, shelters money because they don't have to vaccinate everything immediately because we'll have access to their vaccine records. 100%. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, pet parent can come and put that information on. And 40% of the people that are on our site do come and put okay. their vaccination records onto our site, which is great because then you get that pet gets in. If they, if, you know, less than 2% of the pets that we get home ever hit a shelter door. Um, so we, you know, they get home before they ever hit the shelter. But if they do end up in the shelter and they've got that tag on there, you can scan their tag and you'll be able to see like, oh, good. They're already vaccinated. Cool. I don't do you, have to go do you want a little chuckle? I just, I, I, I'm sorry. This is, I love, I love how the earth works <clears throat> or the universe. So an order just popped up for one of these custom catch pole keychains. Shameless plug there. It's fine. But the email address is dog mom. <laughs> so I thought that was great. I was like, either, yes. either someone's got jokes or so. No, I get it. It is widely used in this community and I appreciate what you're doing. I think Pet Hub has a, a great product and I'm glad to see the studies out there to show some information and, and it's great to have NACA work with you as well. And we're really, we, we just, we love seeing the progression of our profession and, and ways to help keep animals in the home versus uh, in the streets or in the shelter. So we want to thank you from the Humane Roundup and NACA, Jerrica, we want to absolutely thank you for what you're doing with, with NACA as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jerrica, we should give a plug for, because we're actually going to be presenting this study visually in a yeah. webinar. Do you want to plug that, Jerrica? Yeah, we are, um, I would imagine that we start promoting this week, but we're looking at uh, December 13th, and I'm sorry, I do not have the time in front of me. I think it's 11 a.m. 11, that sounds great. Um, yeah, 11 a.m. on Pacific time on December 13th, so be looking for uh, some communications via social as well as um, our uh, email blast from probably both Pet Hub as well as NACA. Um, and we hope you will join us. So we're going to be presenting um, the stuff that we've talked about here. We've got a really beautiful visual presentation uh, that kind of goes into some of the details. So um, yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks. It's been great. Yeah. You guys are getting cool. the scoop, by the way. You're the very first place that we've talked about this publicly. Yep. Oh, well, nice. that's, that is awesome. Thanks for doing it here on the Humane Roundup podcast. Yeah, we really appreciate your insight and, and just anyone that's, you know, out there doing good things. Like that's really what we want to see. And, and our, our goal is to continue to promote that. So thank you for coming on today, being a guest. Thank you, Jerrica. Thank you, NACA. Check out pethub.com. Check out nacanet.com. Nacanet.com. Yeah. No, uh, not gonna, blah, not gonna, I can't talk either. Uh, nacanet.org. And also Sorry, we um, have, we have broken into the TikTok world. So, oh, what? Uh, I need to get my TikTok going again. Oh, wow. So, That's amazing. Don't giggle. I am trying to, um, it's my dog. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're having fun. We're trying to make it, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but we're having a blast and uh, it's starting off slow, but we're learning. So uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. We have a new Instagram, uh, new social. Um, and then of course our website, we're working on adding, uh, we've revamped a ton of awesome things, a whole new resource library. Uh, and some really cool stuff. So check out all of our pages as well. Nice. Thank you. And and NACA, we'd love to get you back on in 2023, talk about some stuff that you're doing as well. So thank you for always coming on the show. And Pet Hub, uh, Lorian, if you have any any updates you want to have for 2023, you're more than welcome to come back and talk about it as well. 
if you if you uh, you. you know if you want to obviously it's a totally up oh to no you, so. you've you've been very gracious <laughs> and i and i i as i told jerica i appreciate the feedback i'm a, i love feedback you don't you don't grow if you don't get feedback so thank you for for all of that cool absolutely well bishop anything else before we close it out i don't think so i think i got all my questions answered okay well check us out at humanemain.com on our socials keep it humane main keep it humane main is our socials <laughs> bishop that that leads us to you thanks for listening and let's keep it humane, humane main <laughs> thanks ladies whatever thanks ladies <laughs> bye